You're listening to Inside the Aluminum Tube. This podcast has adult language and sometimes contains graphic descriptions of accidents and incidents, often resulting in death. If you're scared to fly, proceed with caution. Bank angle, bank angle, caution, terrain, don't sink, don't sink, glide slow, pull up, wind shear, wind shear, sink rate, pull up, traffic, traffic. Okay, welcome back for another episode. This is an aviation history podcast, which looks at aviation accidents, incidents, disasters, and mere mishaps. I'm Shannon Baker. I'm your host. I'm the creator of the podcast series. I always have a co-host who is not an aviation expert. Their role is to ask questions, which will help you understand, better understand what actually happened. Uh, My co-host today is Mary. Start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, my professional name online is Mary Margaret Hall. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I had a little hint, a little birdie dropped me a hint that this story was going to be set there, which I'm very excited about. And I'm a tailor for the designer Kelsey Randall. If you're a fan of Ruffles, look her up. Very, very good. Yeah, I've seen Kelsey's work. It's pretty amazing. Today, we're going to be talking about an airline flight called United 976. And I just want to confirm that you have no idea what this is going to be about. No. So I'm excited to learn and hear this story. Yeah, this story is going to be interesting. You work for Kelsey Randall Mm -hmm. and you sew clothing. I do. I cut and sew. So I do all of the final work. She does all the creativity. Okay. All right. And and that's pretty interesting. So made in America. Made in Brooklyn, New York, baby. Fantastic. I have to tell you the shameless self-promotion part. Oh, and yeah. I do this on every podcast series. But it's important to understand what qualifies me to do the podcast, okay? So I'm a pilot uh, flying for a major U.S. airline. I fly the 787. I've worked extensively in charter and corporate operations, uh, including flying for a major manufacturer as a demo pilot. I have 11 aircraft type ratings. I've been flying as a professional for 20 years, but I've been a licensed pilot since 1994. Um, I've flown around the world. I've been to six continents, a lot of countries, all 50 states, all of our territories, I'm trained in safety management. I owned a training consulting company. I have experience in a variety of aircraft management roles. Well, currently producing this podcast series, but also trying to get into consulting as a material expert for news outlets and other creative projects in film and literature and television. I have also worked in film and television, and I can tell you that the research that goes into these flights and stuff are not always accurate. Oh, it's got to is it min- it's minimal. Yeah. Yeah, I figured. Mostly aesthetic and what right. works better for the story. So what have, what so what have, what are you up to lately? What's going on? I know you're building clothes. Uh, anybody we know? Is there anything anything special you've been working on any projects? Well, Tell us something cool. Well, the day that we're recording this, I don't want to date this necessarily. Lizzo was maybe wearing a dress that I made today on her story, but no big deal. Oh, yeah. If you don't know Lizzo, maybe look outside once or twice today and you'll hear her music because she's been busting records, top billboard list and everything. So I I saw her on AMAs. The AMAs. Yeah. Yes. She looked great. And, and, And her music is great, too. So there's the plug for... Lizzo, even though she never asked for that. Right. <laughs> yes, Lizzo, if you want to sponsor us, I would not be mad about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be mad about that either. Okay, so let's get back on track. So as you know, we start with the date, right? And then we tell a little bit about the aircraft and then the company. And then we talk about the incident. And then we talk about what changed and how things are today. 
All right. And are you ready to listen? What to year? The, you ready to listen to the story? I'm so ready. All right. It's October 20, 1995. 95. October 20? 20. I was one year old. Yeah, I was already a licensed pilot by then. That's why you'll probably hear, I know you might not edit this out, a little snort when you said licensed pilot in 94, because like, <laughs> that's when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the airplane. And you know a, a, a decent amount about airplanes now. We'll just run over it. By um, proxy. Right. And also, um, you will be able to see a picture of the airplane on our Instagram page. Yes. Okay. Love Instagram. So the Boeing 767-200ER, ER stands for extended range. So, it's so a, that would be coast to coast or international? That would be international normally. And that's it has a high capacity, so they would they may use it in the U.S. as well. They may use it in in the country, Got it. as well as um, international. But this particular incident is an international incident. So, but they do fly them. They they do fly them around the country, not anymore. And they do, and they did fly them uh, North and South America, Asia, Europe. So I mean, it, pretty long range. So if we're talking international, does that mean we're talking JFK? Uh, well, we're getting there. You're jumping ahead of me here. Okay. <laughs> so I'm excited. So it's a Boeing 767-200 ER. So it's a wide body. It has mm-hmm. two aisles. Okay. So oh, got it's, it. it's like the one with the three seats mm-hmm. and then three seats in the middle and then three seats on the, on the other side. So it's Been got an aisle. It's got an aisle left and an aisle right. Okay. United 976 had a passenger configuration that held 36 people in first class mm-hmm. and around 180 people in coach. Okay. So that's a lot of people. It entered service. It's a number of people. It is a number. Math is hard. It entered service in 1982, mm-hmm. and the 767 is Boeing's most successful wide-body model. They produced over 1,100 of those airplanes. Still in service today? Absolutely. It was developed in three variants. Production for the passenger version ended in 2010 mm-hmm. when it was replaced by the 787. However, it's still being produced as the F variant, and if you listen to the first couple series, F means freight. But the passenger versions are still being operated with around 800 still in service. Okay. And That's and they're used planes. and they're even they're used in the US. Like in a couple of the first episodes some of the airplanes that we used in those episodes are not being used in the US anymore. This one is still operated by well the 767, a variant of the 767, still operated by Delta, still operated by American, Copy. United and Hawaiian. So, so the big guys. Yeah. So they're still, th- these are still popular airplanes. The Dash 200 is a little older, but it's still being operated, but not in the U.S. Okay. Now, freight carriers in the U.S. still do run the freight version, but we're not talking about the freight version. Freight is equipment, not people. Freight is boxes, think like UPS. Got it. And then, but think about when you think about freight, there are no windows on that airplane. All the windows are taken out. Mm-hmm. There's very little systems inside there. So it's a lot lighter as an airframe. Right. So you can pack it full of that makes sense. boxes and other Because boxes stuff. can be heavier than people. Right. And also you can get a lot more on board. True. Fill them to the roof and all that no stuff. No need for seats. Exactly. No need for seats. Not in the F variant. But we are not talking about the F variant. Okay. okay? We are talking about a United flight. The operator is United Airlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a major U.S. airline headquartered at Willis Tower, which is formerly Sears Tower. In mm. Chicago, Illinois, it's the third largest airline in the world. United operates a large domestic and international route. Um, let's see. United Airlines currently has the largest fleet of wide-body aircraft in the world. 
Work United. And United was established by an amalgamation. So a bunch of different airlines got together and started in the late 1920s. And mm-hmm. and that, that's actually back in the day, like there were little airlines everywhere. Mm-hmm. Their very first, the oldest of of their amalgamation was Varney Airlines, which was founded in 1926. Varney. Varney. Who came up with that? Oh, probably Mr. Varney. Oh. <laughs> and that was founded in 1926 in Boise, Idaho. Okay, so <laughs> United got its start in Boise. So currently United Airlines employs 13,300 pilots, over 25,000 flight attendants. Wow. United has eight pilot bases, mm-hmm. or what some people refer to as hubs. And back then, JFK airport in Queens, New York was a destination and a hub for New York, but it's no longer in the system for United Airlines. Right, because United's hub in New York is now Newark, correct? And they also operate out of LaGuardia. Basically on the edge of Brooklyn. It's and- right on the edge of Brooklyn. Queens does kind of loop around down. And LaGuardia is in Queens too. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, so th- so do you have any questions about the airline? No. The airplane? I don't think so. So the airplane, it has two engines. That's what I that, thought. Yeah. Most have two, correct? Two engines now, yeah. Can I see a picture of the plane just so I can imagine? And I, I need uh, visuals to feed my, my story. United's really changed their design. They used to have red in it way more. This and plane have, does look like a plane I've flown on, though. And they have changed the their design job. so many times over the years. Like, at one point, they were gray and blue. one point, mm. they were red and white and blue. And mm-hmm. then, okay, so are you ready to uh, hear the flight and the events? Yes, I have my visual, and I'm ready to hear this story. Okay, so United Airlines Flight 976, they departed Rio de Janeiro Airport in Brazil around 10.30 p.m. at night for a long red-eye flight that was scheduled to arrive in JFK at about 8 a.m. in the morning. You can see that the flight is basically nine-ish hours long. Okay. Very long. We're going to talk about a guy named Gerard Finneran. Finneran. But from now on, fun names in this story already. I know, but from now on, we're just going to refer to him as Jerry. Got it. Okay, that's too much. JF. Jerry. It's just Jerry. He was on this flight. He boarded the aircraft with everybody else. Jerry was a 52 year old investment banker and managing director. This isn't a pilot. This is a passenger. This is just a passenger. Okay. Thought we were talking about a pilot. We did skip talking about the crew. So let's go back and really quickly, we'll talk about the crew. The crew consisted of three pilots. One was an international relief officer. One was a captain and one was a first officer. And there were eight flight attendants. Because you can only fly four hours at a time, correct? Uh, Eight. Eight. And we said the flight was... But when there's three pilots, you switch and have every four hours. Yeah, you cycle through. Yeah, you kind of just do shifts. Um, so no one's too tired. Right, exactly. And there's, But there's very little information about the crew. And just as a disclaimer, I don't use crew names unless it's pertinent to the topic. In this case, it's not. But we can assume that they were an experienced flight crew. Got okay. it. Including the flight attendants. So the flight right. attendants are also really well trained. Let's go back to Jerry. So Jerry. So Jerry was a fifty-year-old, a fifty-two-year-old investment banker, okay, and a managing director at the trust company of the West of New York. So he's a bank man. So yeah. do we like Jerry or do we not like Jerry? Well, we're gonna we're gonna find out if we <laughs> okay. like Jerry. Okay, um, that's a company that either worked closely with Citibank mm. or was owned by Citibank. Got it. So it's some kind of company or a contractor or something very close to Citibank. Okay. Okay. Jerry had a home in Greenwich, Connecticut, and he worked at this company, this trust company of the West. And Ooh, uh, that commute. 
Have you ever been to Greenwich? No, but I know a lot of people who come in from Connecticut on the train. And Greenwich is really expensive. All the time. Oh. Greenwich is expensive. So we can assume that Jerry, he was an investment banker. Yeah. This guy had some money. So, So let's get down to the events. The gate agent reported that Jerry was observed drinking in the airport, but did not appear intoxicated when he boarded the New York bound 767. PM flight. Correct. 10.30 PM. So it's not unreasonable to have a drink so you could easily pass out for your nine hour flight. Wake up fully refreshed. I'm sure he had a long commute if he's going into JFK to get back to Connecticut. Absolutely. And Jerry was also, so he, he boards the 767. Um, the United 976, Flight 976, and Jerry had a first-class seat. So he gets more drinks, I'm sure. Well, but also, you know, Jerry can, can sleep or whatever, too. Lay you know, because he's going to lay down. and he, So he's, he's sitting up front and okay. with 36 other passengers. Right. Airplane is relatively full. The flight attendant served Jerry a lot more drinks. A lot. How many is a lot? Do we know? <laughs> the flight attendant, he estimates that at the time... Uh, seven or eight glasses of wine. Okay, that's not unreasonable. I've seen you have seven or eight glasses of wine and you are exactly the same. Okay, fair enough. But we don't know Jerry. We don't know Jerry's tolerance. We don't know what Jerry had to eat that day. Over the course of the events, over the course of the events of the flight, so over the course of the whole flight, he was served seven or eight glasses of wine. Um, and if you're by the flight attendant, right? And then he ate a three course meal on the flight. Three course, damn. Yeah, I mean, it was posh. So he eats a three-course meal. He continues to drink wine. Eventually, halfway through the flight, the flight attendant decided that he had had enough. So he's had seven or eight glasses by the halftime point. Right, prior to the half point. And also during, so up to and including his meal. Got it. And then the flight attendant cleans up. Mm-hmm. On top of what he had at the airport, which we don't know about. We don't know how much. And so then the flight attendant actually refuses to serve Jerry more drinks. Which they have every right to do. Absolutely. So he, he can't be visibly intoxicated. Sorry. Not safe. No, not safe. So um, the other passengers are all in first class and they settle in for a new kind of entertainment. You're smiling. I'm a little nervous about what's going <laughs> to happen right now. <laughs> Oh, is is this like when TVs were installed? No, they don't have any any in flight. Are we talking uh, they may, like dancers so, or something? So, ni- so nineteen ninety six, they may have like a TV. So back then, they would have like a TV in the front of first class okay. that everybody could watch, and they had like TVs up on the wall mm-hmm. in the dividers, and you would like watch the in flight movie by looking. Kind so of you like, kind of like had you were to sitting, agree on what to watch. Well, like you were sitting in a movie theater. Okay. Kind of, you know, I mean, it wasn't that giant screen, yeah. but it was a pretty big screen, and it would be like up front, but not in the backs and of can't the seats. Choose. And you don't get to choose. They just they play a movie. But we're not talking about a movie tonight. Okay. So Oh, is Jerry the So Jerry asks <laughs> So Jerry asked the flight attendant at least quote unquote Jerry asked at least twenty times for more wine in no, as many Jerry. minutes in the flight. As say that wait, I need you to say that again. Uh, Jerry asked at least twenty times for more wine in as many minutes. That's a quote from the flight attendant. 20 so requests, requests in 20 minutes. In 20 minutes. So basically. So he's very drunk because he either is so flippant that he is bugging the flight attendants that much, or he cannot fucking remember that he just has the flight attendant. I'm not really sure. All I know is that he's bothering the flight attendant. Does, Every time the flight attendant walks by, doesn't bode well for his state of mind. Mm-mm. No. Okay. So 
he was unable to attend to the other. The, so the flight attendant says that he was unable to attend to the other passengers in first class due to Jerry's demands for more booze. And how many flight attendants would you have for 36 uh, first class? Would that be two? You would have two. One for each aisle, Correct. basically. You would have two up front. Normally, normally. I had to piece a bunch of information together to get this story. Um, mm-hmm. I had to pull a bunch of, and I'll, I'll say my sources at the end, but I had to pull a bunch of information together to kind of get this because together. Because so. this isn't like, you're not going off of black box recordings which you have in your last couple podcasts this is yeah we don't know what jerry we don't know we don't know exactly what jerry said in the in the cabin but we can also probably assume that this was all this the same flight attendant that was dealing with him the whole time. Well, there were two flight attendants in first class, but yeah. I, they I probably think th- had their so, sections. Right, so this, so the the quote and the little section that I'm reading did come from a single flight attendant. And he says that Jerry asked for lots of drinks and, okay. and he was basically unable to serve the other passengers because Jerry kept bothering him, like pulling on his, sh- you know, space, like tugging at him Is and saying, hey, yet? give me more, give me more, give me more. What? Do we have a flight attendant button yet? Yes, we do so have a flight attendant. and ta- tugging and... So he's just bothering the hell out of him. Fuck you, Jerry. Okay, so eventually, Jerry enlists the aids of a few, the aid of a few other flight attendants. So now, um, the other flight attendant in first class, and they pull another flight attendant up from the back aft cabin Whoa. to help with Jerry. And so and there how are many three... how attendants total? I forgot. There are eight total. Okay. And now so three... So he's now almost got half of the crew just available. Just working with Jerry. And it's a hundred and something passenger. Just flight. over two hundred people. Yeah. This the, is a very needy man. He's a very needy person. So uh, they all decline to serve him more drinks. Good. Okay. Yeah. They all get together and they say he's, we're not. They're serving. probably out of wine at this point. I mean, <laughs> dude is just—he's a fish, right? So he's just drinking and asking for more. Jerry gets mad. Mm-hmm. All right. So he got up out of his seat. He walked to the drink cart to serve himself. At which point, all three flight attendants step in his path. Yeah, that's probably illegal. And here's a quote. He was yelling that he wanted a drink and was definitely visibly drunk. That came from the purser or the lead flight attendant. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, I don't love alcohol. (laughs) And it's mostly because I hate drunk people. But I think Jerry likes alcohol. Really? I think he does. I I feel like Jerry really likes alcohol. He he just, he's not in it for the flavor. I think he's... (laughs) I'm not sure why Jerry's in it. That sweet grape wine flavor. Maybe we're going to find out though. Got it. That was the purser. The lead flight attendant says he was yelling that he wanted another Mm. drink and he was visibly Mm -hmm. drunk. Jerry made a few physical threats to the flight attendants. No. But he returned to his seat. Mm -hmm. Okay. One threat was recorded because like you said, there wasn't a, there's not a recorder in the cabin. One threat was recorded, but by the flight attendant. Okay. Um, How? I could basically he just remembers it okay. or he writes it down. Got it. I couldn't find the other threats. I looked; they weren't available, leading me to believe that they just only one was written down, yeah, or one one was remembered or one was memorable. Another fifteen minutes pass. Wait, what was the quote? We're getting there. Oh, okay. we're gonna have to come back to it. Ugh. All right. So another fifteen minutes pass, but this time Jerry attempts to serve himself booze after getting up to mm. quote unquote use the bathroom. So he gets I'd up be under an eight glasses of wine in. So he I gets have to as well. Yeah, but he gets up under the guise that he's going to use the bathroom because they're watching Jerry at this point. I would even if I was a passenger, I would be watching Jerry at this point. Oh, I completely agree. So he attempts to serve himself booze. So he walks up to the cart and attempts to serve himself booze. Once again, the flight attendants intervene, but this time things got a little more interesting. Jerry shoves a male flight attendant into a seat uh-uh. and another one to the side quite aggressively. Both male. Both male. 
Jerry opens several drink containers on the cart. Speedy drunk man. He pours the drinks onto himself, not into himself. So does he believe that he can now absorb alcohol through osmosis? I'm not sure what he believes, but some (laughs) gets in his mouth. Okay. A little bit, but... So this was a little unclear. This so, I'm, is so I'm imagining that he's drinking out of with one hand and opening or something like that and like spilling it. He's spilling it everywhere. He's getting he's it on himself. He's also standing on a f- moving flight and we don't yeah, he's know standing how stable up next that to the cart. Is. We know that he pushed the flight attendant. So, yeah. so Jerry is a little unstable at this point, right? And fully intoxicated. Pretty much clearly Obviously. intoxicated, right? And this is where it gets fun. Then Jerry climbs onto oh, the catering cart. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the passengers and flight attendants look on in shock while Jerry makes history. Okay, so I might know this story now. <laughs> you might know. <laughs> go ahead, go while. ahead. Jerry drops his pants and underwear <laughs> and he proceeds to defecate on the catering cart. I have <laughs> <laughs> I ha- Okay, so there's this podcast that has talked about a guy shitting on um the 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 cart many times and they keep every time and I think it's because he drinks so much wine they think it's Gerard Depardieu. It's Gerard Finneran. <laughs> That's him. So I know the end of the story. I've never heard the lead up though. So this is but this is okay. That so I had to so dig so deeply to get all these details. I had to use so many different resources. So but we're we're get we're get, we're still getting there. My heart this is, is racing. We're still getting there. So once finished. <laughs> Jerry wipes his ass badly, I may add, on the linen napkins. Then At he least, gets then mm. he gets then he gets down off the cart, steps in some of his own feces, walks back to his seat. I mean and he proceeds to smear his dirty butt on his own seat. Wait, he didn't pull his pants up? No. So he's like waddling A. Yeah. And B, technically he didn't lie, he was going to the bathroom. Yeah, he I he's he said he wanted to go to the bathroom, I guess. Sorry, could I continue. Okay, so he sits down in his seat. He smears his butt in his seat. What is the configuration in first class? Because we know that the 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 coach is three and aisle three and aisle three. Right. Who is the poor passenger that had to sit next to this? Right. So this this configuration is two and two and two. So instead of having nine across, probably in the aisle because he was able to get up and down so easily. Yes. So I couldn't find exactly which seat he's in, Mm -hmm. but he's clearly in an aisle seat. Right. I was picturing him in the in a middle aisle, but I'm not really sure. I hope that he either was in those two alone or that person was fully passed out, like taken in Ambien and was not conscious for any of this. So again, I did as much research as I could and I couldn't find that specific information. I couldn't get that deep. I was surprised. I was I'm sure they would have gotten a quote from that person. Let's move on. So after Jerry sits in his seat for less than a minute, he gets back up. He walks to the cart, trailing his own feces after him with each step. Okay, because <gasps> he stepped in it. So it's in a shoe. Everyone looks on in horror as Jerry picks up some of his own feces. No. Walks about the first class cabin yelling about not being served more drinks and smears his own shit no. on the overhead bins, no. the seats, and the <gasps> sidewalls. I wouldn't be sitting in my seat if I was in that first class anymore. I would have... F- How fucking glad would you be to be in coach? That would be the only time you would have been like, thank God, thank God for coach. coach. I agree. This. Oh, is- no. So at this point, the pilots are aware. Okay, and the cockpit door has been locked. 
But it's worth noting that this is during this era. Yeah, because this is now a safety issue. Right, but this is pre-9-11, so they, there wasn't a ballistic door like there is now. Did they also um, have an on-flight officer like they have now? They do not. Okay. So there's that no also air marshals or That's the law word. enforcement officers on board. There's just It's just the crew. The crew's by himself. Got it. Okay. So Jerry proceeds to smear his own shit all over everything. The cockpit door has now been locked. The pilots, however... This is also... I'm sorry. This is 52-year-old mansion. I know. The pilots do not declare an emergency. And this is where I'm going to fault the pilots. The pilots don't declare an emergency. The pilots, instead, they request that air traffic control allow them to land at the closest airport that the airline serves, which is San Juan, Puerto Rico. So they're halfway over San Juan. So they don't declare an emergency. Because we are slightly now over halfway through. Right. Okay. Right. And because if you didn't land, they would have to now fly with this guy for, let's say, at least three hours. San Juan is about four and a half. They're, Too so long. So pretty much straight. They're pretty much right in the middle. I've heard of flights that gotten di- diverted for people farting too much. Right. But this, this is, but this is, is a this lot. This is pre-9-11. So the pilots, they don't declare an emergency. Okay. Instead, they just request that air traffic control allow them to land at the closest airport, which is San Juan. The controllers have knowledge of this flight because a prior to departure, the airline filed for a priority handling request. So Meaning? You'll find out in a second. So when the pilot asked to land in San Juan to have Jerry removed from the plane and taken into custody, air traffic control said no because the other there are a few other passengers in in uh, first class. The foreign minister of um, (gasps) Argentina was on board, Guido Di Tella. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not important. And the, I'm sure he's important to well, somebody. Well, he's important to someone somewhere, for sure. And the Portuguese president. Well, uh, these are important people Mario in Soros. the world. Yes, so these are Would two important people. Would they not have bodyguards? No. So they're I'm, just I guess on I'm the just flight. thinking about a different time. I'm it's not a, it's, in that It's a bit different time. time, right? So the controllers would not allow the airplane to land because they had foreign dignitaries on board and they were concerned that it was a security risk to let oh, the airplane like, land in San Juan because the security was set up for their destination, JFK. So instead of the pilots declaring an emergency, they just request that ATC allow them to land. And ATC says so no. So shit doesn't equal emergency? Apparently, to these pilots, I guess you said they know what's going on. Yeah, I don't. Do know they what, know how bad it is? I'm not sure they know how serious it is. How well can you hear what's going on? In these days, you could hear pretty well because, like I said, there was no ballistic door. Okay, there's not a ballistic door. It's a thinner door. It's more like think of a lav door. So him running around screaming, they definitely hear would it. hear. Yes, and a 767 is not that loud in the cockpit, so they would have heard it. And you're circulating air. Yes. They would have smelled it. They probably would have smelled it as well. So we can at least assume that a few of their senses have been alerted as well as the flight attendants telling them. We do know that they request to land and have Jerry taken off, but they don't declare an emergency. That's why why I'm confused. I don't know. It's not an emergency. I don't know what they're thinking behind it was. And we'll talk about changes when we get there, but anymore they would have declared an emergency because this really is kind of an emergency situation. Right, because the alternative is... Forcing everyone on that plane to fly in that state. That that is the alternative. You're you're right. And so, but let's get back and to the story. And also the safety issues of this man continuing his rampage. Well, he's essentially assaulted somebody as well. Right. right. Two people. So now the so now the flight attendants get together and they think on their feet. And the flight attendants basically bargain with Jerry and they say, if you pull up your pants and sit in your seat, we'll give you another glass of wine. He's a child. He's a child. And so Jerry agrees. <sighs> 
after one... I wonder if they'd give him grape juice if he'd know the difference. At this point, I'm not really sure. So after one more glass of wine, Jerry falls asleep. <laughs> he is like a child. <laughs> he just had a tantrum, took his, threw his clothes off, had an accident. Right. Got his tree. And win night night. Exactly. <laughs> this fifty-two-year-old man. Oh, that's exactly what he did. Oh, that is exactly precisely what. So he did. the question I had at the beginning is if we like Jerry or not. I don't like Jerry. I don't. I'm not a big. Fan. I'm not a big Jerry fan either. Just, just throwing it out there. So the flight now continues to JFK, four and a half hours. Okay. What would you do if you were in that first-class cabin? Oh, I, I don't even want to think. I would I would go to the back and see if there were any v- seats available in the back. You said it was a pretty full flight, it's though. It's pretty full. And there are 36 people up there. And front. it's still circulating air. Yeah. Fuck. It's bad. It's bad. So the flight continues to JFK. Jerry is met by the FBI and arrested. Yes. He, he was charged with interfering with a flight crew, and he's briefly held. I don't okay. like that briefly held statement. He was released on his own reconnaissance. Which means he was released with no bond. So they basically were like, we're arresting you, you were charging you, you can go ahead home. Okay, so the charges, what could happen to him? So Jerry eventually pleads guilty to the misdemeanor charge of threatening a flight attendant. That's, That's the charge. But he put hands on them. He did. So they don't, so he pleads it down. Because remember, he's a 52 year old banker. He pleads it down. He's a he's a he's a rich white guy, so he he's gonna get away with this, kind of. Yeah. Okay. So he pleads guilty to a misdemeanor charge of threatening a flight attendant. This card charge could result in up to six months in jail and a five thousand dollar fine. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think they give Jerry? Two grand and time served. So Jerry agrees to pay United Airlines a thousand dollar cleaning charge. No. Forty nine thousand and twenty nine dollars in restitution to reimburse each and every individual first class passenger of their ticket. Okay. See, but, that was going to be my next question. But Jerry was given no jail time. And he was not assigned probation or community service. Or not even like, hey, maybe go to AA. (laughs) I don't know. Like go get psychologically checked out to see if you have a drinking problem. Anything. (laughs) Nothing. nothing. Like this can happen again now. So Jerry and his lawyer said some funny, notable things in court. Okay. So we never got that Jerry quote, by the way. We're getting there. Um. So when asked when asked by the judge why he threatened the flight attendant, Jerry told the judge that, quote unquote, I was angry. He's a child. He's a child. He's like, he, he's pounding his feet. He's like, I was angry. And then he said, quote unquote, I had no intention of carrying out any threat, but badly wanted another glass of wine after the airline had stopped serving me. I became annoyed and said words that implied a physical threat. The judge asked Jerry if he had said to the flight attendant, that I would, quote unquote, bust his ass. And Jerry said that he assumed he had said something to that effect. Yeah, because Cherry can't testify about this. He wasn't there mentally. I agree. I think Jerry was not there mentally. So, But Jerry's lawyer is a, is a hilarious, wonderful POS human. So Jerry's lawyer, in closing <laughs> arguments... I'm glad you added that last part. Yeah, I know, really. So Jer- so he's, he's truly a lawyer. So Jerry's lawyer, in closing arguments, makes some surprising comments, okay? So... He says that Jerry's only problem was diarrhea and no. that Jerry was a, it gets worse, a marvelously decent human being <laughs> who had flown more than 5 million miles before the October incident. And he was, quote unquote, not a man with a problem. I love his lawyer. Except 
the 10 million problems I could name right now, like, I don't know, maybe he needs to think about his diet. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think he needs to examine his personal choices. Examine his diet, examine his uh, wine intake, examine his anchor issues. Oh, but remember, Jerry is a marvelously decent human being. With lots of money that he's giving me to say these things. Correct. Yes. Exactly. So in a closing statement by the judge prior to issuing the fine, the judge asked Jerry if he had undergone any psychological or alcohol treatment. Jerry said he had not. Then the judge asked Jerry if he had had any alcohol within the last 24 hours of pleading guilty. And Jerry said that he had a glass of wine with dinner last night. The judge asked, are you sober as you stand before me? Jerry replied, I hope so. (laughs) Okay. I know you can see that right now because my jaw just dropped. (laughs) But this is like, you're not supposed to A, incriminate yourself like dummy and B, you say in that shit. So obviously you're not sober. I agree with you. I think, I think Jerry has a serious problem. I think Jerry has a serious problem. So, so the fine, I could have told you that 30 minutes ago, what gave it away? Um, I would say the ninth glass with the meal, maybe. Yeah. The, the many glasses of wine and then the, when he's shit on the cart. I mean, if he hadn't already given it away by the time he shit on the cart, that definitely was the biggest of the red flags. I think Brown right. flag. Ooh. <laughs> I like it. So the fine was issued and Jerry paid it. Okay. What would have happened to him if, say, he wasn't in first class, he was in coach, and he didn't have the money to pay for, because that's- They wouldn't have released him on his own reconnaissance if he wasn't like a rich guy. They right. It would have been a bail situation. It would have been a bail situation. He would have had not had the money to pay for all the coach people. That's true. And if he had money, he would have gone to jail. Yes, and still had to pay all of that. Correct. Jer- J- J- had Jerry been not rich and in coach, Jerry would have gone to jail. The fine but was. They paid. also don't give you wine in coach, so. Well, you can buy it. Yeah. The fine was issued in Jer- to Jerry fifty thousand twenty nine dollars. And Jerry paid it. And we never hear from Jerry Finneran again. Um, Jerry was not fired from his job at Citibank. Surprise. Yeah, it was probably became the great like Christmas party story. Right. Although I don't know if I would consider that a proud moment in my existence. I'm not sure either. I, I really, I really don't. I really don't know how. Do you think he just never spoke of this again? So when they were in court, no one ever mentioned the incident. The only mention of any kind of actual like the actual shit incident was when the lawyer said that Jerry's only problem was diarrhea because Jerry was being tried on charges of threatening a flight attendant so it didn't technically have to do had nothing to do with actually so the fact that he was able to bargain it down means he got to fully avoid avoid this whole disgusting story yeah and what got put in the paper was that he interfered with a flight crew or something let me look back here. So he uh, got to keep his yeah, threatening fragile a dignity. Threatening a flight attendant. Not shitting all over everyone. And right. Everywhere. And the when it says the only thing he has is diarrhea, that sounds like he had an accident. Agreed. And that's he why didn't the, and purposely that, so, get up. So this is why the this is why the lawyer said that. I think to save Jerry's dignity. Yeah. Oh, we gotta make the man not we can't crush his poor little masculinity. Oh, I know. Poor guy in his big bank job. So Jerry... um, I hate people. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, this guy in particular. I hate certain people. So he's not I don't fired, hate all so of you listening from his job, to this. But he does retire shortly after that. Jerry's 52. Well, if he can pay that fine, it sounds like he doesn't have an issue and he lives where he lives that he doesn't have to work much longer. Yeah. To wrap up the story, Jerry died on December 29th, 2005 from complications of Alzheimer's. Hmm. So I'm not sure. How many years? Um, Only nine years later. And you, how long can you live with Alzheimer's? I don't know. I'm not trying to excuse excuse him at all whatsoever. And I do think the alcohol was the main culprit of this issue. However, I'm just curious if that had anything to do with it. Well, I mean, you know that Ronald Reagan was losing his marbles by the time by like before his second term yeah by like 1983 Ronald Reagan's losing his marbles and he's still president in 1988 so I'm not saying that this was Jerry's issue but I am saying that he it could potentially this could potentially be something well even if it was something it was maybe 10% of the problem right early signs like yeah there's something there okay so Let's talk about Jerry a minute. So Jerry was a graduate. Because don't you get, you have flashes of anger with Alzheimer's. You have like emotional instability. Yes. But I think that's later. I don't know. But again, he had at least nine glasses of wine. At least nine glasses of wine. I'm not excusing him in any sort of the Nine glasses of wine, but he was also seen drinking. Nine glasses of wine served by the airline, but he was also seen drinking in the terminal. So we really don't know how much Jerry had to drink. Right. It was... A significant amount. And what the causative agent of this whole situation. Right. So Jerry was a graduate of the Air Force Academy. No. He was not a pilot. He was not a pilot. He retired from the Air Force as a captain after 20 years. Now, huh. um, I showed this story to a coworker and they went, he retired as a captain after 20 years. That's really weird because apparently, I don't know this. I didn't know this about the Air Force, but if you retire as a captain after 20 years, you're doing something wrong. Mm, you should like, be you should be higher ranked than that after 20 years. Oh. Right. Got it. Like, so maybe he has had a drinking some, problem his whole life. I I am this is full speculation. Right. Or some kind something of something has held him back in his career. It, right. And obviously it was such an issue that he could no longer continue in that career and switch to banking. So, but but Jerry was a good banker. Um, Jerry, well, you can drink I mean, a when good you bank. Banker. Um, you have calculators. You don't have to. Count he, so he went to work. He established a significant amount of banking business in South America, and he mm-hmm. worked for several banks. The last bank that he worked for was Citibank. Okay. So, what do you think? That's the story. <sighs> So now you get the reference. I do. That's really funny. I'm going to somehow have to make sure that podcast, it's the Rooster Teeth podcast. Uh, if anyone else listens to that and wants to help me get this story to Gus Sorolla so he knows the story, <laughs> I'm sure he would love it. The fact that he is, was a pilot. He was not a pilot. He was an Air Force Academy the- grad, but he was not a pilot. I would think, though, if you had any sort of tie to the Air Force, that you would be somewhat more respectable. Well, especially because he went to the Air Force Academy, Yeah, which is which is pretty big deal. Okay, Like, get your shit together, bro. So let's talk about why Jerry cracked. Okay. okay, so here are the theories. And I say theories. Some of these are a little more self-evident than others, okay? Mm-hmm. So what do you think theory number one is? Booze. Alcohol. Alcohol. So let's talk about now and then. So even then, there were bars and airports. Okay. Okay, but now there's alcohol everywhere in the airport. And you right, can you even- you could buy full bottles you like can on order your way out. A, you can order it from your seat in the gate 
area. You don't even have to sit at the bar. Oh, Those off iPads, the little iPads. Off the iPads, mm-hmm. yeah. Could you bring wine no. or anything on the airplane with you? Because I know you could bring little so, airplane bottles now. So you're not allowed because they're so under it's a federal that. law that says you're not allowed to serve yourself alcohol on the aircraft. Okay, but people, can, but you can, can carry you? it. Of course you can, for sure. Okay. The only the only restriction is that you'd have to bring it on in three ounce bottles or less. So, I've but they didn't have people, that restriction back then. No, they didn't. So this you, is. Jerry I'm wondering just why he just a whole bottle of wine. With right. Him or a whole bottle of booze or whatever with him. Oh, but now, he's first class. Now people fly with minis. Right. I see him in the airport all the time. They put them in the in the in the court bag. Yeah. And it's full of minis. You're fine. Full of mini bottles. Yeah, because they're less than three ounces. Right. Alcohol is also a source of revenue for the airline. Mm. Oh, like because every, every time you because they upcharge it, I'm sure because yeah, they buy they upcharge it. Upcharge it. The bars in the airport are not necessarily independent of the airline. They may be their own business, but they're they're sort of working in cooperative in cooperation with the airline. That makes sense, especially in Newark. You go to the United section, which is uh, Terminal C, and every single restaurant in that place has the same exact menu. Exactly. And every place also has the iPads. Mm-hmm. Number Management. two, entitlement. So yeah. I looked up these. I looked up these statistics. So there are more business and first class freakouts than standard coach. That makes a lot of sense because coach. I feel like people save up. They're excited to be on a plane in general, be going somewhere in general. And first class are people who this is their day to day. Well, and also remember that the reason that this is likely is that people in, in first class can pay as, as much as 10 times as much as a right. coach passenger. Well, and they, they feel like if they pay 10 times as much. They deserve 10 times the service. Right. They should get whatever they want. So Even, that includes like not, you can look it up on YouTube. Airline freakouts is a thing on YouTube. So um, it, it includes like not listening to a baby or drinking as much booze as you want. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I've heard, I've, as we know, this isn't true. Yeah, I've heard people say like on in first class like so what what is somebody doing something with the baby like Oh, yeah, like you're going to do something with it. I, but also I, uh, there are there's statistical data saying that people who earn a certain amount of money, potentially those in banking, lose their a lot of their sense of empathy. They well, become a little bit psychopathic. I like mean, I feel that's very clear I'm, with Jerry, right? Because anybody who had any empathy wouldn't have smeared their own feces all no, in the first class and made people ride in it for right. It's one thing hours. to direct that anger at the source of your frustration, which would be the flight attendants, which I don't think he should be angry at them either. But to subject all of the passengers who could have just been sleeping oh, yeah. to his literal bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Just after food, like. All right. So let's talk about more currently. We get a lot of freakouts in the airlines because of decreasing space, decreasing seat space. Mm. So decreasing space and the length of flights make people crazy. The longest flight currently um, in the system for any airline is a flight. Can I guess? Go ahead. Because I think I might know this. Is it? It's to Australia or New Zealand, right? Correct. From uh, L.A. From- from London. London, London. Which way do they go? They go London. They go Sydney to London. Is it over India? It's or is no, it? No, it's over the, the other way. States. It goes over <laughs> over the pole, basically over Canada. That flight is over twenty hours. You're like, and then you're time changing. You're like losing a day. And for the so this is so this is actually interesting that you bring that up. So it's on a seven eighty seven dash nine aircraft, which is the longest range seven eighty seven, and you see the sun. 
set and rise twice. <gasps> From Sydney to London, you see the sun set and rise twice. That would make anyone a little bonkers. That will mess with your brain, for sure. So to start with the effects of altitude on alcohol, we're going to get to that. It's pretty serious. I've heard that. Air in the cabin is also very, very dry. And people have a tendency to go a little crazy when the relative humidity drops really, really low and they're exposed to that? that time. I don't really know, but airlines now, some airlines have humidifiers. The air in the cabin at altitude at cruise can be four to 6% humidity. A desert is about 8% humidity. Whoa. So it's really dry. Airplanes are really, really dry. And, and there are now um, some... Of no the newer wonder airplanes. you always have sinus issues. Oh, yeah. So the A350 and the um, 787 and the 777, the very long-range airplanes have humidifiers in them. And so they That's try to nice. help you. But they wouldn't have had it on this No, they wouldn't have had flight. it on this older plane. No. So let's talk about what happened as a result of the shitty incident. Okay, so as a result of this incident, British Airlines and a lot of other airlines began taking uh, air rage incidents seriously, and they started officially recording them, which is crazy huh. to me because it took that long till 1997 for them to, for airlines to start recording air rage incidents when the first air air, ra- air rage. rage rage got it. When the first air rage incident was recorded in 1947 Mm. on a flight from Havana to Hawaii or to Miami, Havana to Miami. So that was also a long flight. No, that's a really short flight. Oh, is it? Yeah, really short. Havana, Cuba to Miami is about 200-ish miles. It's not very far. You said Havana and I heard Hawaii. (laughs) I said Hawaii. I said Havana to Hawaii. I don't know why I said that, but I, I said Havana the flight was Havana to Miami. So that is short and somebody still freaked out. Yeah. And on that flight, a drunk man assaulted another passenger and a flight attendant. Alcohol. Right. Alcohol. This is why we... Now, that's the first away. recorded incident. Again, they weren't officially recorded, but that was the first um, recorded incident that anybody ever wrote down. Wow. I think that... Well, we'd had airlines since the 1920s, so I'm sure that wasn't the first one. And we've been serving booze that long. Oh, for sure. So... Um, I don't not drink. I feel like I'm like harping on booze. So drink <laughs> with drink at your own uh, discretion, but maybe also consider those around you while you do it. So the International Air Transportation Association released a report. So IATA, they're just a an aviation essentially like a research group. They released a report saying that between 2007 and 2017, there had been over 66,000 incidents of air rage recorded in the world 66,000 that's roughly one incident for every 1400 flights that's a lot united airlines people today need to chill dispatches roughly 4,500 flights a day Mm -hmm. so that means that there are three to four air rage incidents every day now three to four every every day? day just on united alone remember that an air rage incident could just be somebody getting it essentially getting in trouble for yelling at somebody because their baby was crying right so i don't mean like huge jerry incidents jerry is actually one of the worst air rage incidents in the history of aviation which is that why makes a whole lot of sense yeah so what's changed so in short a whole lot after the events of um 9-11 mm-hmm. cockpit doors are secured now they're ballistic doors 
Okay. Yeah. Flight crews are actually combat trained and they're armed. Work. They are. So our and flight some of them so wear heels. Flight attendants yes. are combat trained and they're armed with restraint kits. Yeah. And they have a guy on, uh, I already forgot the word again. Air marshal. Air marshal. So we have air marshals now, not yeah. always. Yeah. And you don't know what flight they're going to be on. Right. But air marshals are a thing and they do ride around the system and they get paid to do that. Because you don't know when and where they're going to they're mm-hmm. pop out. Only the gate agents and knows. the pilots know. The flight attendants don't even know. That's cool. Yeah. Because like, I'm so glad that they at least had a lock on their door. They did. Yeah, they had a lock. Because I'm not saying that he was would intentionally maliciously harm the pilots, which could harm the whole plane. But he obviously had almost no memory of the situation. I, I agree with you. He was belligerent. I, I think Jerry was having like really like a blackout episode, actually. Is yeah. What I, that's my guess. And as somebody who went to a party college with three days in the weekend, I have dealt with a lot of people blacking out and it's like so hard to hold them accountable, but they they did it. And they do crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So United Airlines and other carriers now have policies in place to evaluate threat levels and physical assault reaches a level at which point an emergency must be declared. Not not should be. Must be, and actually it goes farther than that. In the post 9-11 world, and we say 9-11, we mean September 11th, 2001. I was in second grade. The world is significantly different. The pilots would be directed by the company to land the airplane immediately in this case. I think that is very good and necessary. But do you know why? Because Jerry pushed a flight attendant. Yeah. That's really why. It was because the flight, because pushing the flight attendant, not not because of his shit. Although that would have been a trigger, but not necessarily a threat level. It was right. as soon as he touched the flight attendant. That right. was a level at which the company would have said no. Because done. you've now stepped over the line of being angry to being aggressive. Oh, absolutely. And you just don't know how far that aggression is going to go, especially well, this, back especially then. Especially in this case, like as far as Jerry, we we can guess that Jerry was not in the correct state of mind. And so right. um, but Jerry, if he... it could have potentially been incredibly dangerous. It could, okay. have been, it could have been to the point where Jerry became a threat to everyone on board, like you said before. Right. And let's say he was maybe more down the road in his... Alzheimer's or maybe he was just somebody who naturally had more anger issues and in 1990 and they didn't have the same security to get through who knows what he could have done I agree but flight attendants now are armed with the power to eject passengers yes and they use wait eject eject as in take them (laughs) off the flight before it starts okay yeah no 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 ejection seats but they but flight attendants can like do they like lock them in the bathroom or something Flight, flight attendants can no they We'll kick them off. Okay. So if you so get on, you, you start yelling at a, because a baby, or you can okay. you're, you're kicking somebody else's seat, or you know if there's a problem. The flight attendant will be can literally say, "I don't want this person on my flight." Right. Because it's done. it's so much better to just be safe than to be stuck with that person for however long you're going to be in the air. Because as you said, all those environmental. It's like a cocktail. It's an environmental yes. cocktail that yeah, all those that, things together. So. If somebody's already being that way on the ground, it's good that they can take care of it before. If they didn't know that Jerry was drunk, we don't know if Jerry was drunk when he got on. But right. today, had this incident happened, Jerry would have been physically restrained. Okay. On they the, have zip ties. And, they and would we're have now talking once, once we're in the air. Yes. Okay. They would have, okay, to start with, they would have cut him off long before. 
they cut him off. Is okay. there a That's, number limit now or is it just no, the according to the again, flight, flight attendants attendant. are really well trained. So flight attendants are actually trained to recognize intoxication. Yeah. And they're getting really close to you too. They probably can like smell I'm it. I'm sure it, that they could smell. Yeah. Like uh, if you were really drunk. So he would have been cut off, but had he not been cut off and had started to freak out, they would have physically restrained him. Yeah. With restraints. So let's talk about passengers for a moment because in modern days, passengers don't take shit anymore. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that yeah. in, the, in the pun way, but also in the literal way. Right. In 2012, two would-be hijackers in China were killed by passengers who, quote unquote, literally tore them to pieces. <gasps> Whoa. But even pre-9-11, passengers were well aware of yeah. the risks of hijacking and other threats. In 2000, in the year 2000, passengers on a Southwest Airlines flight restrained a person mm-hmm. who was threatening to hijack the airplane. The passengers physically restrained him. They sat on him. The man died of asphyxiation because wow. he was crushed to death. So my point is- I mean, is, he was in theory about to kill all them. So it's the like you don't so want saying, to right, do in that. This, in modern day, right. if the, the flight attendants were disa- were unable to restrain Jerry, I feel the like passengers the passengers may have killed him. Yeah. Or at least On really, accident. Yes, if, they agreed. I don't think they would have killed him on purpose. Passengers would have taken action. Because it's like you never want to do that in this situation. You but are you saving yourself. Yeah, you also don't want this person to bust into the cockpit and do something crazy in there. Right. Yeah, which could because affect the flight. Because that's, that's one person and that's 150 other people. All right. So that's the story. So we're done. So that's the whole story. What do you think to start with? I'm still processing it all because it's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I want to like shake him, but I know he's not around anymore. And I'm, I just hope that there are not more Jerry's in the world. There are. No. They're waiting to shit on a cart near you. <laughs> Probably <No>. not. <laughs> uh, coach forever now. No business comfort. Business, please. right. Big comfort. Extra class, leg yes. room. Right. <laughs> I'm tall. So my sources for this, the Associated Press, the New York Times, those were my main sources. But I had to dig really deeply to find some of the sources and some of the information because this was not like a single story. I couldn't Mm -hmm. just go to one place. So I dug into the archives of the Greenwich Times, the Greenwich Sentinel. I also referenced the study by Iata about the air rage incidents. Got it. There were a couple. Get your number straight. There were a couple other little sources that I used. I always use Wikipedia as a source as well because Wikipedia is a good source to also give you more sources. Right. As long as you check Wikipedia's links at the bottom, they're a great jumping off point. This account that I wrote is probably the most detailed account of what happened because I took so many sources and I had to piece them all together. Right. Well, I don't think anyone wanted to think about this for this long. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't want to actually have put this all together, know the reality that there's a human that was out there in this world that did this. <laughs> this episode is called, I Was Angry. No, it was called, I Was Angry. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> all right, Mary, thanks for being on here. Uh, we're going to wrap this up and uh, make sure you guys come back. Oh, and visit us on, uh, follow us on Twitter and visit us on Instagram. We'll have all those links up on some page or another for you guys to follow. So thanks for listening. And Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming, Mary. I appreciate it. <sighs> that was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs>